Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Qalam is an organization that is dedicated to making Islamic knowledge accessible to everyone. Alhamdulillah, Qalam has been able to serve so many people all across the world in so many ways. And now, Qalam has the opportunity and the ability to take its work to the next level. Qalam now has the ability to expand its offerings to people all across the world in so many different ways. Qalam is acquiring a campus, a home, where we can continue to do the work that we do and in fact increase what we do. But we need your help, we need your support to make that dream a reality. Go to qalamcampus.com and donate generously. Every single person listening to this podcast benefiting from Qalam, I need you to go there and donate and share that link far and wide and let's all of us come together, invest into our sadaqah jariyah and take this work to the next level. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Now enjoy the podcast. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillahi alayhi dhati azim al-sifati samihi al-simati kabir al-sha'n. Jalil al-qadir al-rafi' al-dhikri muta'i al-amri jalig al-burhan. Fakhim al-ismi ghazil al-ilmi wasil al-hilmi kathir al-ghufran. جميل الثناء جزيل العطاء مجيب الدعاء عميم الإحسان سريع الحساب شديد العقاب أليم العذاب عزيز السلطان ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له في الخلق والأمر ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله المبعوث إلى الأسود والأحمر المنعوت بشرح الصدر ورفع الذكر وصلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه الذين هم خلاصة العرب العرباء وخير الخلائق بعد الأنبياء أما بعد فيا أيها الناس وحيد الله فإن توحيد رأس الطاعات واتقوا الله فإن التقوى ملاك الحسنات وعليكم بالسنة فإن السنة تهدي إلى الإطاعة ومن أطاع الله ورسوله فقد رشد واهتدى وإياكم والبدعة فإن البدعة تهدي إلى المعصية ومن يعص الله ورسوله فقد ضل وغوى وعليكم بالإحسان فإن الله يحب المحسنين ودعوه فإنه مجيب الداعين واستغفروه يمددكم بأموال وبنين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا من يرتد منكم عن دينه فسوف يأتي الله بقوم يحبهم ويحبونه أذلة على المؤمنين أعزة على الكافرين يجاهدون في سبيل الله ولا يخافون لومة لائم ذلك فضل الله يؤتيه من يشاء والله واسع عليم الحمد لله by the grace and mercy of Allah سبحانه وتعالى for Many of those that are here today at Qalam for Jumu'ah who are visiting from out of town and are here for the weekend's festivities and celebrations, you understand exactly what it is that has brought everyone together here. For many of the folks that are from the local community who might also be kind of wondering you know, what all the hustle and bustle is, Alhamdulillah, this weekend we have the graduation ceremonies at the Qalam Seminary. And so all the students that you see here uh, studying at Qalam 
a lot of their friends and families have all come together to celebrate with them. But there's a particular idea and there's the theme that is really at the center of this entire, you know, experience and all, at the center of all of these activities and festivities and celebrations that we have going on. And that idea is about the fact that we are in need of this religion. We need this deen and this religion. And there's something that might sound a little harsh, which is not my intent. It might come off a bit stern, which is, once again, not what I intend to do. And in fact, I apologize. But there can sometimes be the delusion that the human being falls into, that the shaitan puts in our heads, that the environment and the culture might foster, and then that festers inside of the mind, and may Allah protect, but potentially in the heart of the person, and that is that the deen or the religion needs us. But we need to always remind ourselves and we need to always understand that it is we who are in need of this deen and this religion. That that's why these students have traveled halfway across the country or maybe even halfway across the world. Because they were in need of the Qur'an. They were in need of the guidance of the Prophet ﷺ. They were in need of this deen and this religion. That is why all these scholars and all these teachers and all these remarkable people that you've met with and interacted with here at Qalam or at the campus, that's why they're here every day, morning, afternoon, and evening. Because they are in need of this deen and this religion. The religion doesn't need them. That Sheikh so-and-so or you know, Ustada so-and-so might be so amazing and so remarkable. But again, we remind ourselves, they remind themselves, everyone constantly needs to be reflecting on the fact, the religion doesn't need me, I need the religion. And as long as that's there, what does it do? It keeps us humble. It keeps us humble. Because accomplishment and achievement is tricky. You might even kind of sense or notice like in the talks and in the ceremonies at the graduation, there's this kind of tension. There's this you know, push and pull that's constantly going on. Where it's like, congratulations, mashallah, amazing achievement. May Allah accept and we need to work harder, and we need to do more, and we need to do better. That's why that push and pull is there. Because we can never become deluded. We can never think that we somehow are essential to this endeavor. That we are necessary for this to exist. No, but we are all in need of Allah. We are all in need of the Qur'an. We are all in need of the Prophet We are all in need of the Sunnah. We are all in need of the house of Allah. And of the knowledge of this deen. And it doesn't need us at all. Totally and absolutely irreplaceable. 
And that doesn't have to be a disrespectful thing. It doesn't need to be a mean thing or an angry thing or a humiliating thing. It is just a fact. And in fact, we can revel in the mercy of Allah that it is the infinite mercy of our Creator that He allowed us to be involved with this, that He allowed us to be a part of something good. And the whole religion, that is the theme of this entire deen and this entire religion. That's why the verse of the Qur'an that I referenced in the introduction of the khutbah is from Surah Al-Ma'idah, Surah number 5, ayah number 54, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا O you who believe, مَنْ يَرْتَدَّ مِنْكُمْ عَنْ دِينِهِ That whosoever from amongst you will turn away from his religion, from his or her religion. Like they will abandon their religion, they will turn their back on their religion. That's like, okay, oh yeah, you don't want to do this for me? Then fine. I didn't get this? Alright, then forget about it. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us, فَسَوْفَ يَأْتِ اللَّهُ بِقَوْمٍ Allah will bring a people. So, not that any of us would ever even think about this. Not that any of us would even in remotely entertain the idea of turning our back on Allah, or turning our back on the Qur'an, or turning our back on this deen and this religion. None of us would ever dare to even entertain that idea. But Allah is still telling us, and there's a very subtle, there's, a, there's an important subtle lesson here. And it's almost kind of a, if you will, to just use some common language, there's kind of a hack. There's a little bit of a cheat code in the ayah. It's giving us, you know, some very key strategic points, tips and points. Allah is saying that if somebody even dared to say, you know what, I'm done with this religion. And they turned their back on it. If all of you, Allah is saying, turned your back on the religion, I'm done. And walked out, stormed out. Right? We're walking, we're staging a walkout from the religion. Allah says, enjoy your walk. Allah will just bring another group of people. But then Allah tells us what will be the qualities of those people. And therein lies the hack, the cheat code, the, the tip. That we're, Allah is telling us what are the qualities of the ideal believer. What are the qualities of the ideal believing community. Allah is telling us what their characteristics are, what their qualities are. So what can we do? We can incorporate them within us right now. We, we're, we're not stay walking out. We do not want to be replaced. And in fact, Allah is telling us exactly what qualities we need to have to be the ideal community, to be the exemplary believers. So what are their qualities? يُحِبُّهُمْ وَيُحِبُّونَهُ Allah loves them and they love Him. Now wait a second. There's something to think about there. Typically, what do we think? We love Allah in hopes that He will love us, right? Allah said, no, 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 no. It's a fact that Allah loves you. Human beings are, you know, إِنَّ الْإِنسَانُ خُلِقَ halua. Human beings are finicky creatures. 
Something bad happens, they freak out. Something good happens, then they try to take all the credit for it. Human beings are troublesome creatures. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, يُحِبُّهُمْ Allah loves you. Allah loves them. يُحِبُّونَهُ They have to learn to love Allah. The love of Allah actually comes before, like Allah loving us is, it's guaranteed before we even grow to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because it is the love that Allah has for us that allows us to actually even inculcate and develop the love of Allah within our hearts. So knowing that Allah loves you, that's the first thing. أَذِلَّةٍ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ That they are very humble, they are very soft, gentle, humble with the believers. They are gentle and soft and humble with their fellow believers. رُحَمَاءُ بَيْنَهُمْ That the theme, the default, especially some of the students from the classroom know that, we talk a lot about there's rules and then there are exceptions to the rules. And we don't make rules out of exceptions. So the rule is in the community with our fellow brothers and sisters, in the community, in the masjid, in the society. The default, the rule is we are merciful, we are humble, we are gracious, we are gentle, we are generous, we are kind, we are forgiving, we are compassionate, we are benevolent. That is the default. Now a lot of times people say, people think, right? And I should correct myself, when I say people say, people online say. Which is better than, which is worse than not saying it at all. Right? They might as well not have said it. But there's rhetoric and talk out there that, oh, well, there's all this talk about just being nice. Don't we ever have to be strong and firm? Don't we have to be a little tough? No, no, not inside the house. Be tough when you're defending your house. Right? The people that are trampling through your yard, be tough on them. Why are you being tough with your own kids inside the house? Be kind with your own family. Be tough on the people violating your property. So similarly, Allah says there's a place and a time to be tough. When people attack you, when people confront you, when people persecute you, when people come after you, then be strong and then be tough. But amongst your own, be kind, be generous, be gracious, be merciful, be loving, be compassionate. And then the second somebody would dare to do harm to you, to your family, to your community, then be tough and be strong and say, no, we will not accept this. Defend yourself, defend what is yours. But what I'm really trying to, that's not the topic of my talk, what I'm trying to explain here is there are these modes of operating in terms of kindness and mercy and gentleness and compassion and there's an operating mode of toughness and strength and firmness but understand where each one applies because dhulm is to put to misappropriate something to misallocate something that is the essence of oppression and wrong so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us this principle 
Are you strong when somebody would dare to do harm to you and what you believe in and your community? But then at the same time, are you being kind and gentle and you know, merciful within your community? That's an essential quality of a good community. Yujahiduna fi sabilillah. They strive in the way of Allah. They strive to serve Allah, please Allah. You know, obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They strive in doing good. And they do not fear the criticism of those people who have a habit of criticizing. You know, I believe the kids say haters gonna hate, right? So, but the idea is that there are some people that are just negative. Negativity is just their, their default. It's what they do. To be influenced by negative people, people who just find fault and flaw in everything, the fly in the room, right? The pig, in, the pig on the farm that just finds its way to filth, it always sees everything that's wrong. Don't be influenced by that. And especially those who just criticize and deride and undermine. Don't fear them. Don't fear their criticism. But do what you know is right. Do what you know is correct. You know, and subhanAllah, I was just having a conversation with someone who reminded me that I'm doing math in my head real quickly. That 34 years ago, you know, you were asked, I had gone to memorize the Quran overseas, that are you sure that's a good idea? Does that make a lot of sense to leave your house, to leave your family, to leave a comfortable kind of home, and to put yourself in like a, you know, tough situation, difficult living environment, cultural, you know, adjustment, and to go through all that hardship, to miss like a year of school, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to memorize the Quran. Does that really make a lot of sense? And so, sometimes there's, it's not easy to do the right thing. Nothing worth having ever came easy. But we have to, in those moments, it's difficult to remember that. It's difficult to know that. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala emphasizes it to us. That, وَالَّذِينَ جَاهَدُوا فِينَا لَنَهْدِيَنَّهُمْ سُبُلُنَا That if you strive to do the right thing, Allah promises that I will always make sure that you end up where you need to be. That the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always deliver you to the promise of Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then reminds us that even us reading this, us hearing this, us knowing this, reflecting on this, and being able to live by this in this world, that Allah is telling us exactly what we need to be successful, and the fact that we can live it and incorporate it here and now in this world, that is the benevolence and that is the mercy and that is the gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah grants it to whomsoever He wills. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is most expansive. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is bigger and greater and more powerful and all-encompassing of everything. Your dreams and your ambitions, it's easy for Allah. Your fears and your apprehensions are nothing in front of Allah. Knowing that and remembering that. Wallahu wasi'un alim and Allah is all knowing. Allah knows exactly what's within our hearts. And so learning to live based off of what we know and what we believe and what we have within our hearts is very, very important. First, knowing the right thing, believing in the right thing is part of the journey. But once we know the right thing, we believe the right thing, then living it and acting on it, that's where the struggle is. And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding us of. بارك الله لنا ولكم في القرآن العظيم ونفعني وإياكم بالآيات والذكر الحكيم استغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله وحده والصلاة والسلام على من لا نبي بعده أما بعد so in conclusion I wanted to share a reminder, uh, an example, a story from the life of the Prophet ﷺ that really exemplifies this. And there's so many. That's what made that generation of Muslims, the early Muslims, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, may Allah be pleased with them. That first generation of Muslims, that's what made them so special. Allah vouches for them in the Qur'an and Allah calls our attention to them repeatedly in the Qur'an. Muhammadur Rasulullahi walladheena ma'ahu wassabiquna lawaluna minal muhajirin wal ansar. So Allah repeatedly calls our attention to them. It's because they showed and demonstrated you know, this firmness in faith and this resilience in practice and this conviction of the promise of Allah and the life of the hereafter. So there's so many examples. But we'll talk about just one. That when we talk about having that belief in Allah, striving to do the right thing no matter what the short-term consequences may be, think about what that means and what that represents. That there's a very remarkable story of a young man who's identified with the name Abdullah until he's come to known by a more specific title that is bestowed upon him by the Prophet ﷺ. This young man belonged to a Bedouin tribe. The Bedouins were like the country folk, right? Um, the, the, the equivalent of country folk that we have here in our country, in our society today. So they tend to be very ingrained in their culture in their own ways, their old ways and so on and so forth, right? They, they have difficulty with new things, right? They find it very uh, apprehensive to approach new things and new ideas. So the talk of Islam, the message of Islam, they found it very threatening to their ways. So they came to Islam very late. But this young man growing up there, he came across a message of Islam. He interacted with a lot of Muslims. And he found light in that revelation. He heard the Qur'an. He listened to the Qur'an. He even memorized some of the Qur'an. And he felt the light of revelation in his heart. 
and it affected him very deeply. So he became Muslim. But he kept his Islam hidden in private for some time until ultimately he was discovered to be a Muslim by his family. And he belonged to the family that were the chiefs of the tribe. They told him to leave Islam, abandon this religion. He refused to do so. They pressured him. He said no. They ultimately tortured him and beat him and persecuted His own family did this to him. To leave Islam. And he said no. Until they beat him to a pulp. They stripped his clothing off of him. And then threw him out of the village without any clothes on and beaten and bruised and bloodied. Ultimately his mother whose heart ached for her son but she couldn't do anything against you know, the, the, the tribal leaders. She gave her shawl to him. She tossed him her shawl that maybe he can cover himself with this. He gets himself up off the ground. He tears that shawl into two scraps ties one around his waist, almost like, like he's wearing shorts. And he takes the other one and kind of covers himself because he's in the desert. And he walks on foot to Medina. When he arrives in Medina, you can see the bruises and the wounds on his body. He's coming in from the desert. His feet are blistered. His mouth is dry. And he's in a desperate situation. The Sahaba see him. They're shocked. What happened? They take him to the Prophet Wasallam. The Prophet says, tell me your story. He recounts his entire experience. And when the Prophet hears his story, he gives him a title, he calls him Dhul Bijadain. Bijad means like a small scrap of cloth. Because he had two small scraps of cloth, like two small towels. So he calls him Dhul Bijadain. The man who gave up everything for Allah. The man who sacrificed everything for Allah and walked away with nothing more to show, nothing to show for except for two small scraps of garment. And he became a companion of the Prophet ﷺ and lived in the Medinan community. Prayed behind the Prophet ﷺ. Until a little while later, they had the, in the last year of the life of the Prophet ﷺ, they had the expedition of Tabuk. 30,000 companions traveled with the Prophet ﷺ to the north of Arabia because there was a threat from the Roman Empire. They reached there, they arrived there, no Roman army showed up. So they camped out there for 20 days and then they went, came back to Medina. It was a very difficult journey, a very hard journey. It was in the hottest part of the year, the summer, and they were traveling through the desert. Most were on foot. There was one animal between every three or four Muslims. So they would take turns riding it. Very hard journey. People would get sick all the time on these kinds of journeys. One night the Prophet ﷺ wakes up for the night prayer, tahajjud, middle of the night. Even during journeys he would wake up before Fajr, hours before Fajr, to pray to Allah, to make dua to Allah for us. He wakes up and he was used to being the first person awake. And he sees that there's a fire burning and looks like some people are awake. He goes there and inquires. He finds Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu ta'ala anuma there. Says, what happened? And they inform him, Abdullah, Dhul Bijadain, he passed away. He passed away. He got sick during the journey and he passed away. 
The Prophet was so grief stricken that when you, when you bury someone, if you've had the experience, somebody has to get down in the grave and lower the body. The Prophet himself got in the grave and he said, I don't need anybody's help. And he said, give me the body. And he took the body into his arms like this, like how a father would hold his own child. He held this young man like that. And he put him down in the grave and he was stroking his head. And he got out of the grave and he stood at the edge of the grave and he raised his hands in dua and he said, Allahumma inni amsaytu anhu radin farda anhu. Oh Allah, last night when I went to sleep, I was pleased with this young man. I was happy with him. Oh Allah, you be pleased with him as well. This man lost his family. He lost his tribe. He lost what people understood at that time to be their identity. He didn't belong to anybody. He didn't belong to anybody anymore. He lost everything. And he gladly gave it up for Allah. And for Allah's Messenger. And look, he died in the path of Allah, in the way of Allah, with the Prophet ﷺ bearing him and expressing his love for him. I love that young man. So, this was somebody who made a, an immense, a great sacrifice. But it exemplifies the message that we're talking about. Strive, all of us need to, may, may, may Allah allow us all to live a life where we strive for His pleasure. And we live a life trying to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah give us the strength to do the right thing. May Allah protect us from hardship and difficulty. But at the same time, may no hardship or difficulty ever prevent us from doing the right thing. But Allahumma izzal islam wal muslimin. Allahumma insulil islam wal muslimin. Allahumma ahdina wa ahdibina wa ja'alna sababa liman ihtida. Allahumma anna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik. Allahumma ahsan aqibatana fil umuri kulliha. Wa ajinna min khishid dunya wa adhab al-akhirah. Allahumma fiqna lima tuhibu wa tarda. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala nabiyil kareem. قال الله تعالى إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيذكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم وادعوه يستجب لكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقم الصلاة